Blog Talk Radio. Senior instructor here at Restoring Grace, and thank you for joining me here for Zohar in 15. And again, thank you so much for uh, you listening live and archive. All the folks who have sent great emails and comments. If you have any questions or comments, or even some concerns, you can always email me at Dave at RestoringGrace.com. Again, that's Dave at RestoringGrace.com. Today, we're going to talk about knowing the difference between a way, a way, and a path. Knowing the difference between a way and a path. The rabbis had a conversation in, about this in, Zoh- in Zohar, volume 16, portion Kedoshim, chapter 23. We're going to be reading verses 133 and 134 on page 90 and 91. That is it, the Holy One, blessed be He, knows and looks after the way of the righteous to benefit them and defend them. And He walks before them to guide them. Therefore, whoever sets on His way needs to see to it that that this way is the way of the Holy One, blessed be He, so that the Holy One, blessed be He, will participate with Him. Verse 134. The rabbi's question, sometimes is it written a way, and sometimes a path. What is the difference between them? And the answer the answer's saying this, a way implies that all the feet of the people tread. A path is recently opened, is a recently opened path, and has not been trodden on long by many people. About this path, the verse says, but the path of the just man is like a gleam of sunlight that shines ever more brightly until the height of the noonday. And that's Proverbs 4.18. Amen, may it be as well. Many spiritual leaders claim to know the way. They've got plans, they've got directions, they have organization, they have things skilled out. And i got to make sure that as we're talking about this today, that we don't get confused with the idea. I'm not promoting a conspiracy that our church leaders, our pastors, all these things are, are trying to lead us astray. They're genuine people who really love us spiritually, who are looking out for us in the best possible way they know how. So make sure we understand that in my mind, that's not what the conversation piece is about. What the conversation piece is about is about talking about the importance of understanding the difference between a way and a path. That God, in his, in his love for us, has created an overall vision of how we should get along and, and endure and love and cooperate with each other spiritually, but that there's a unique path for each one of us as well. Now, some of these teachers, they claim to know the way to heaven. They claim to know the way of of untold riches and prosperity. They claim to know the way to endless wisdom. Now, that's very interesting. Now, they claim to know the way to heaven. As a Christian, we have a, as Christians, we have a very direct and I wouldn't say limited, but a very direct path that we understand leads to heaven, and that is through Jesus. And for other people and other faith groups, respecting them as well, they have different ideas about that path. But the untold riches and prosperity is something that has really come on recently. And I see a lot of it. And I mean a lot of it happening. Path to endless wisdom. I'll show you secret knowledge. Now, if you've listened to me and broadcast, you listen to me for any length of time, you know that I believe there's a lot of things about scriptures we just don't know about. But in the scriptures, 
in the scriptures, in, in, in indefinite terms regarding Jesus, there is a path. There is a particular path. Now, the many paths of the different faith groups can work can work and have positive influence in your life. And I want to make sure we go back on this. <clears throat> Synagogue, church, mosque, Bible study, spiritual community, whatever it is you're attending. I want to ask you, what is the goal and target of your going? I'm not questioning whether you should or should not go. But I want you to really think about what I'm saying right now. I want you to really think about it. There's an old statement. I forget what what minister said this, but many people uh, search for God. They find church, and they stop searching for God. I want you to really think about that. As you're sitting there on Sunday morning, Friday evening, Saturday Shabbat, whatever you may be doing, when you're sitting there, is your target, is your goal that? Or is there a higher purpose or a higher goal behind it? Again, what we practice in our faith groups, what we do, our, our worship, uh, scriptures, reading, sermons, tithing, community, that is fantastic. And I think we should continue to do those things. But I think what we need to consider is, how do I know? So that's a way. That's a way I can learn more. Uh, that's a way that I can have discipline in my life. That's a way that I can meet people with like, kind, and quality beliefs. That's, that's a way. What's my path? What's your true purpose in your life? Now, I want to suggest that there are two unique filters that you can use when deciding a course of direction in your spiritual life, in my spiritual life. And these two directions are this. Number one is purpose, and number two is consciousness. Number one is purpose, and number two is consciousness. You know, one of my favorite verses in the scripture um, deals with the concept of purpose, and it's real quick. It's in Acts chapter 13, verse number 36, talking about King David, when the writer of the book of Acts says this, For David, after he served the purpose of God in his own generation, died and was laid beside his ancestors. Now, the writer is going to go on to talk about the idea of death leading to corruption and the body going away, and he goes on to talk about how Jesus didn't suffer this kind of corruption. But I want you to listen to that. When he had served the purpose of God in his own generation. So, G, so excuse me, David was there for a unique purpose. He was there for a unique idea, a unique life that he was going to live. Now, did he have a way? Yes, he had a way. He was the king of Israel. We all know his story very well. But there was purpose, a purpose that God gave him unique to, listen now, unique to David. Now, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Number one is what drives you and why? What drives you and why? I'm going to play a brief commercial, and we'll come back to answer that question in just a moment. Looking for something different at your next retreat, Bible study, or weekend seminar? Restoring Grace could be the answer for you. My name is David Fournier, Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace, and we gladly support, encourage, and minister in many churches across the country. You can reach me at Dave at RestoringGrace.com. Again, that's Dave at RestoringGrace.com. Or you can call 719-233-6265. 719-233-6265 for your next upcoming event. You know, for years now, we've been lying. We lie to our children. Our parents lied to us. We said, okay, here's what you need to do. What you need to do is you get a good education. 
And when you get this good education, that's going to get you a good job. And when you get this good job, that's going to get you lots of money. And eventually when you have this lots of money, you're going to have a good life. Now, that may be a direction to go. That may be, and by the way, is there anything wrong with education? Is there anything wrong with working for a living? Is there anything wrong with having a job or having money? Absolutely not. But those are simply ways. That's not a path. That's not unique to a person. That's not going to be something that's going to help them. How many marriages do we have today where money and jobs and education aren't the problem? How many times have we got things happening in our lives where we say, that's a person that has everything? You know, often you think about the celebrities. I feel bad for these people ever since now. There's Facebook and Twitter and all these things, and every time they do something stupid now, it's news. It's news, which, by the way, I don't pay any attention to. But here's somebody with, with money and time. If you're an adult, you'll understand what I'm going to say next. They can sleep in. And their lives are pictures of drugs and, and alcohol abuse and rehabs. Don't tell me that getting an education and getting a job and having money and ha will get you a good life, because it won't. How high do you want your purpose in your life to be? Do you want it to be noble, admirable, or even higher? Like I said, when we go to our churches, we go to our synagogues, we go to our mosque, and we spend time there, that's great that we're there doing that. But is that the end result? Is that the end of it for you? People say, oh, Dave, I get up every morning and I go to work for my wife and I go to work for my children. Again, that is noble and that is admirable. But what happens if you come home and they're gone? What happens if, they, if your wife one day decides, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to be part of this anymore. What happens if you live your entire existence out to fulfill the goals that benefit other people? And the benefit of other people. What happens when those people are not around? What happens when those people feel like maybe you haven't lived your life in such a way that you got an education, got a job, made money, and have a good life? What if they don't agree with the way you live your life? Basing your purpose on those parameters, the idea that, that I'm going to, to – that's going to be my purpose in my existence. Don't get me wrong. Sharing with other people is part of the – part of what we're talking about. But those kind of parameters are going to lead to poor choices and constant disappointment from, move, from moving targets. Our correction, we talk about our tikkun, is about assisting the world in its tikkun and our higher purpose. You know, Christians are so afraid of committing to this idea. The idea that, oh, we're going to go do these things and be involved in these things. You don't understand. I'm already saved. I don't have to do these things. It looks like work salvation to me. For me, when I hear that excuse, it sounds like lack of proof of salvation. If our life is what we say it is, if the changes that we say are taking place, then there should be visible evidence other than going to a service to sit with everybody else who agrees with what we already know. I, I really believe in my heart that our churches have become places where we simply get better at what we already do well. Our purpose here on this planet, by the way, is directly controlled and influenced by our desires. And there's two main desires that drive us. Number one is the desire to receive for self alone. This benefits me and I like the way it feels. And then the desire to receive for the sake of sharing with others. Both desires, by the way, will bring things into your life. But only one of you can help you find your purpose and help you develop that path. What I'm saying, in a nutshell, what I'm saying here, is that we've got to find out what is our purpose. What has God uniquely placed me here? What is my unique path? The ways 
going to church, fellowshipping, those different things, those help empower it, those help educate it, those help guide it. Don't throw those things out. But remember, those are not the end game. Those are not the ultimate part of the results. Those are just ways. Secondly, we got a couple minutes to cover this one, is consciousness. I know when you hear the consciousness, you're like, oh, I bet he's rubbing glass tubes together and humming, and he meditates, and he levitates spoons. That's not true. I have not figured out how to levitate spoons yet. The journey of your life, the path of your life, is most affected by your consciousness about that journey rather than the journey itself. It's how you think about it. You can find people who've been through horrific situations as children, horrific marriages, horrific abuse, and their life is just in a state of complete collapse. You can find other people who've been through similar or even worse situations, and they made a significant impact in those areas. What's the difference? What's the difference? It's their consciousness towards it. You see, when we set our goals for our spirituality, we often mislead ourselves as to what we think is truly important. If you work in a work uh, environment where they're constantly saying, okay, we want to uh, sell this much of this, or we want to put this many over the curb, or we want to talk to this many people today, those goals can become very misleading because our consciousness begins to develop, yes, we can do that or no, we can't. And we've already decided, yes, we can or no, we can't. The rest of it doesn't matter. How many people with no measure of how we're doing, no idea how we're, how we're doing? Ask the people today around you what they think about Christians, and here's what they're going to tell you about us. They say we're judgmental, critical, hypocrites, lousy tippers at restaurants, by the way. Well, just tell me if you have people in the church. That'll win them over. Well, you don't understand. We have 3,000 people, 300 people. We meet three times on Sunday. We need If you're in love with the ways or the journey, more about what is it God's asking me to do, then you have lost the idea of having a unique purpose in your life, something that will withstand all the storms, all the changes, all the different things in your life. You see, our journey, our journey, by the way, is about replicating the, lives of Je- the life of Jesus in each of our lives. Let me say that again. Our journey is about replicating the life of Jesus in each of our lives. How you approach that will determine whether or not you're accomplishing Jesus' will in your own life. You see, my friends, in closing, How we think about that. Do you really see yourself as a unique, driven, called out, separated individual for use of the master of the universe to fulfill a unique path? A herded up sheep heading with all the other sheep waiting for this all to end. My name is David Fournier, Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace. Thank you for joining me either live or archive on this edition of Zohar in 15. Thank mm-hmm. you.